and welcome to episode 16 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna and I will be, as always, your host for today. Um, today I decided that, you know, if you've, if you've been listening to these episodes for a while now, you'll know that they tend to focus on 20th century Britain, um, particularly looking at the Windrush generation in this country. But today I thought we would go back, back in time, um, to the 1800s, the mid-1800s, um, and we'd look at a little bit of art, essentially. And this episode, as you know, is titled Fanny Eaton. And Fanny Eaton um, was a model for the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood and their circle in England. And this would have been in around the 1860s. So I thought I'd start by telling you about um, the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. If you are not, you know, interested maybe in art necessarily and you don't know what that is or you've heard of it, we'll clear up what that is. And then we will talk about Fanny Eaton, her life and you know why she is someone notable and someone we should think about and speak about um, when we are speaking about art and British art essentially. So the Pre-Raphaelites were essentially a secret society of young artists and one writer. Um, They began in London in 1848 and basically it was a movement that was kind of opposing what the Royal Academy was promoting in regards to the ideal works and those works in particular were the works of uh, Raphael who was an Italian Renaissance painter and so this kind of group that started was um, a revolt against the genre and which was a really popular genre at the time Um, and it was inspired by kind of theories of John Ruskin who urged artists to essentially like go into nature um, to take inspiration for their work. Um, they focused a lot on religious themes, but also used inspiration from literature and poetry. Some of the kind of most notable and principal members were William Holman Hunt, John Everett Milias, and Dante Gabriel Rossetti. And he was Christina Rossetti's brother. If you know who Christina Rossetti is, um, she is a poet um, and writer and i think her work goblin market um the poem was the artwork for that was done by dante her brother and essentially that kind of fit into that pre-raphaelite movement of kind of nature and all the fruits obviously if you've if you've um, read goblin market you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um i think it was on my gcse or a level poetry anthology for english lit um if anybody else was subject to that then I'm sure you'll remember all the fruit and everything that was mentioned in that poem. Um, But essentially, a lot of different mediums and artistic mediums came together in this movement. And then, you know, we we are going to get to a point where we think about Fanny Eaton and how she plays into this movement as well, because I haven't really mentioned yet, but, you know, we do tend to speak about Black British history. um, And Fanny Eaton um, was a Jamaican born woman she her mom was of african descent and her father whilst not listed on her birth records he was assumed to be white um, and european she was an illegitimate child um born to um a woman that would have at some point i believe been a descendant of enslaved people um but she was um essentially a black woman she was mixed race and she was used as part of this movement um, and this artistic movement and she really i would say challenged the standards of beauty that were upheld by movements before that and by europeans in general you know this idea of being as pale and as close to white as possible 
um, and having a certain set of features, Fanny Eaton would not have looked like that at all. Um, there'll be pictures on Instagram and Twitter when I upload this episode. So, you know, have a look at those and have a look at her as a woman. And you'll understand, I think, how... Should we not say groundbreaking? Well, maybe, yeah, how groundbreaking she was because she really did, I'd say, challenge the standards of beauty at the time. So, Fanny Eaton was born in Jamaica in 1835, as we have already mentioned now 1835 in jamaica is essentially slavery has been abolished however slavery essentially is still occurring because there was a really long extended period of apprenticeship where those people that were previously enslaved had to work to essentially kind of work themselves out of their condition Um, And also it meant that the plantation owners could essentially just get as much out of them as possible, um, even though slavery had ended. So they were working under the same system, basically, but it just had a different name. So you can imagine the kind of time period and just how long ago, essentially, this was um, to think that people were essentially not legally, but literally enslaved um, and Fanny Eaton as a mixed race woman she would have been known as a mulatto uh, at the time she is you know born um to a black woman a black mother and her father is not known and she obviously has no relationship with him um so essentially in 1840 her mum decided that they would travel to england and move there so off the two of them went um and they she worked as a domestic servant Eventually, Fanny Eaton got married. She married a man called James Eaton. Sorry, her name before was not Eaton. It was Antwistle or Entwistle. Um, not too sure on that. Um, and historians tend to give both. Um, so she got married to a man called James Eaton, who was a cab driver in London. And um, he, the two of them, sorry, had ten children together. Fanny Eaton worked as a cleaner and a laundress um, during her time in London and then she also would model for artists because she needed a way to kind of supplement her income essentially. It was like a her side hustle, um, her second stream of income came from modelling um, and this was kind of during the 1860s and thankfully because she was a model and her, you know, the, the artists that painted her had such acclaim we have these records of her um, and we have images of her because she was, you know, the artist's inspiration and she was the subject of many pieces of artwork. The most notable, I think, um, pieces of art that we would see Fanny Eaton in are Frederick Sandy's um, Morgan Le Fay, which is held at Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery, and Albert Moore's The Mother of Cicera, which is at Tule House Museum in Carlisle, and also Solomon's the Mother of Moses, which I think is probably, if you know about Fanny Eaton, that is the most kind of famous one, I guess. Um, and I think that is held at Delaware Art Museum. And also, she was, she's on record to have um, modelled and to have been kind of paid by a group of artists. Um, and so whilst these are kind of the pieces of artwork that are most recognised and most notable, um, she would have maybe been used as a muse by other artists. Maybe their work didn't come to the same acclaim as the ones mentioned before. Um, or she would have been part of informal life classes organised by that group of artists. Um, 
in order for them to I guess practice um, and to just create essentially. It's said that by around 1870 um, she would have essentially given up modelling um, as I don't think there are any records of her doing anything after that. In 1881 she was um, widowed living in Chelsea with her seven children who ranged in age from two to 24 years old. Um, so you can imagine, you know, I can see why she essentially needed a second stream of income um, because she had so many children and obviously they have to be fed and everything. Um, whilst the oldest one was 24, I'm sure that they would have probably been able to fend for themselves in some way and also contribute. Um, and yeah, she went back to kind of working as a seamstress she was employed as a cook later on um and essentially worked for as a model for one one particular phase of her life and didn't really do it as you know her only career so not like maybe a model today that their their sole career is a model and they are known for that and known for for little else um fanny eaton had to do other things and the modeling was not necessarily her personal aspiration but a way of supplementing her income essentially um and i doubt she maybe would have known the impact that she would have had um maybe when she was when she was modeling essentially so when we think about fanny eaton and her modeling um her beauty is tended it is described as being unparalleled and there is a debate with art historians that basically is asking the question, was the use of Fanny Eaton as a model empowering um, because, you know, it showed off her beauty in a kind of dignified way and a socially conscious manner. And she was obviously different to the standard um, of, of model that was traditionally used. Or was it a form of exoticization? Um, was she being othered because she looked so different? And was it a bit of a come see, come see this woman that, you know, looks different to, to the standard uh, British person in this country? Um, and our historians have debated this um, for quite a long time. And I don't necessarily think there is a right or wrong answer. Essentially, it is a debate at the end of the day. Interestingly, there is an art historian called Pamela Nunn who observes that the kind of striking if that is a word of um fanny eaton is the kind of ambiguity that her ethnic identity presents um it's not necessarily clear from pictures of her where she's from and it's this ambiguity that you know leads to the kind of not necessarily her beauty but why these images are so striking and so different essentially and i think whilst i don't know if the debate has gone here um i'm sure it has at some point but this idea of ethnic ambiguity um is definitely in some ways a problematic point when we think about standards of beauty um but it's definitely something we even see now today within celebrity culture and the people that are upheld as being beautiful um tend to be in some ways ethnically ambiguous and I think this comes from a place of exoticization and of exoticizing what is different and what is not the standard. Now we've got to remember we are thinking about um, art and standards of beauty essentially in the Victorian era um, and they, they were very white to say the least. Um, trends at the time centered around pale face, rosy cheeks, big dark eyes 
and any kind of blemishes so whether that be pimples or freckles or anything like that were were said to be unsightly um, and they were not obviously unwanted and so there were cosmetics um, that were made by pharmacists to essentially cure you of of these skin problems um, as they were known in the Victorian era. Now, you know, that being said, how does someone like Fanny Eaton, who is a mixed race woman and who would have been described as having dark skin, although we would never say that, you know, now in the 21st century and in 2020, um, of, you know, someone mixed race being dark, um, she is described as dark, yet she is used as a muse and, you know, in art, as long as you're you're represented in a certain way, you are said to be representing I say in some ways a standard of beauty um, and she was represented in a very dignified um, dignified way in the art pieces and I think it kind of speaks to the nature of the pre-Raphaelite brotherhood and their aims in regards to the kind of artists and muses that they wanted to to draw. Now that being said the you know when an artist draws an artist doesn't necessarily have to draw what's right in front of them um, and so there are suggestions that, you know, even within some of the art pieces, uh, Fanny Eaton may not look exactly as as pictured because artist interpretation, is it artistic interpretation? I think that's a thing. Um, I am no art historian, by the way. Um, I just figured that we would talk about um, um, someone that was, was used as part of the Google Doodle, actually, um, I think last month, and is often recognised as someone that is, is forgotten by history, you know. Um, and again, a- another black woman that has been essentially erased um, from the historical record. However, I will say that, you know, whilst Fanny Eaton may not be known, um, you know, within the mainstream um, as a model um, and for for kind of what she did in her life um she's definitely recognized when looking at her through the the lens of victorian art and through obviously the pre-raphaelite movement um, and the work that came out of that a lot of the discourse around fanny eaton um that i've read in preparation for this episode and as a result of the google doodle that came out um last month has been quite interesting i would say um a lot of articles um especially written by some magazines that focus a lot on beauty um you know the kind of magazines that i mean those those like lifestyle and fashion magazines they tend to focus on fanny eaton as some kind of trailblazer for black women in the modeling industry which is a little bit of a reach i would say um, you know, she was an artistic muse and she was um, a subject to be painted in the Victorian era. I think the probably most useful commentary about her is the fact that we don't necessarily know about her. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the erasure of black women in history. Um, and something I've realised that I'm going to say I'm guilty of because I was looking back at the episodes that I've done so far for the History Outline and I really started this um, with the intention to speak about black women so much more because that's what my research tends to focus on and I've realised I've been speaking about men in so many of these past episodes, especially in the Windrush generation and especially of Jamaican descent, which is quite a narrow focus and not what I wanted necessarily for the History Hotline. So stay tuned for episodes that are more focused on black women um, and not just in the Windrush generation because, 
you know, black people have been in Britain, I always say this, before the Windrush came, um, and they featured in so many different societies and made a mark on Britain in so many different ways. And Fanny Eaton was definitely um, one of those people. Um, whilst she necessarily didn't, sorry, while she didn't necessarily, you know, become an activist or try and champion the rights of black people, I don't think we necessarily need to think of individual um, exceptionalism um, as a standard for, for thinking about black people in history. Um, as I've said before, when we spoke about Black History Month and who we should celebrate, it always seems as if it's those who have contributed and we, we measure that kind of standard of whether or not we should be remembering them by what they have contributed and how much they've contributed. And I don't necessarily think that is the case um, for every single person that we think about. We should also look into to black people essentially just existing in certain spaces um, in Britain in different decades and in different eras. And I think looking at Fanny Eaton and understanding her life and her work, um, we're able to kind of get a glimpse into the different ways and into the very diverse nature in which black people um, navigated British society from the third century, you know, down to the Windrush generation. And so that is everything we're going to talk about today. As usual, if you have any questions or anything you want to raise um, that has come out of this episode, any thoughts that have been sparked, please feel free to send us a message on Instagram, at the History Hotline, on Twitter, at the History HL, or leave a comment on apple podcasts please leave a review please give us five stars it really does help with ratings and also uh, follow us on spotify and we are also available on google podcasts now i don't know if i've mentioned that before um so please do if you have the chance um you know leave us a review give us a rate um it definitely helps us thank you so much for listening um i hope you have enjoyed this episode wishing you a wonderful week goodbye